Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of black and brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. Hi, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Krista. And welcome to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. So this month, we'll be talking about our new theme, Falsely Accused, which focuses on psychological safety. But before we jump into that, want to continue to, as always, say thank you so much and extend our gratitude for those of you who continue to listen to the podcast and continue to share your thank yous with us. Yes, thank you so much for the the love and the reposts, especially um, kind of the shares, right? So when people are randomly plugging the podcast as uh, a valuable time spent, it, it means a lot to us that without us prompting anything that you all in the community are finding such value in the content that we're talking about. I'm a recruiter for those of you who don't know. So it was actually pretty funny Uh, the other day I was screening a candidate and (laughs) they mentioned to me that they had listened to the podcast during the screen. And right before I jumped off the call, they were like, so I listened to your podcast. What feedback do you have for me? And it really like, it really put me in my place because I wasn't expecting it at all. So now I'm like super prepared for those, but I just thought it was kind of cute. Well, at least you didn't take it as an aggressive question. It was just no, like, not yeah, at all. thank you for asking me for feedback. You should. I know. I felt, I felt, I felt really um, bashful <laughs> that she mentioned the podcast, but I was excited to give her feedback because actually during the conversation, I had been actively like documenting feedback that I would have for her if she would have asked and she did. So she got it. Perfect. Um, so the title of this month's series, as you mentioned, Crystal, is Falsely Accused. Why, friend? Well, as I mentioned, Falsely Accused is all about psychological safety. So it's elevating the experience of the person who told us this story, who was accused and assigned the role of aggressor in this conflict. So um, this month we'll be addressing a lot about how the lack of psychological safety really affects the way that black and brown women show up in the workplace um, and how they connect with others in these spaces that they're in. And I'm, I'm just super excited about it because I think that when we think about psychological safety, I don't think people really understand what it means. How so? So I think when people think about psychological safety, they often think about it very surface level. So they're thinking about, um, can I talk to this person about X, Y, and Z? But when you really get to the root of what psychological safety is, it really just means, can I show up as my authentic self? Can I challenge the status quo without fear of retribution? Uh, without someone, without me getting in trouble because I challenged someone on something. 
And it's so important to be in spaces where you do feel psychologically safe because that's where innovation happens. Innovation does not happen from keeping along and going along with the status quo and not causing a fuss, if you will. So it's really important to be in these spaces where we feel safe enough to, to challenge um, and also just be our authentic selves because we've all heard that workplaces want us to show up as your best self, be authentic. But then we've also heard these stories about people showing up as their best selves and being authentic and it really threw the company off or the people that are in power at the company off. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that because being transparent, I never thought of psychological safety that way about like being my best and most authentic self at work. I really thought, to your point, uh, it's just about me being able to like feel safe with talking to other people at my job. I actually thought that it was unrealistic for me to have the expectation that I was supposed to show up authentically and entirely. That can kind of uh, lend itself to my first few experiences in corporate America, I guess. So <laughs> now that I know what it is, um, it makes me want to ask for a lot more and kind of make demands of the, the cultures in my workspace. Yeah, as you should. And having known or knowing what your experiences have been in the workplace, they were wrong. And <laughs> those workplaces were not psychologically safe at all. So let's roll into the narrative. Play it. Just like anyone else, I was building an interdepartmental network who could vouch for me. A necessity if you want acknowledgement from organizational leadership. So imagine my surprise when a tenured employee complained that I was not supporting her appropriately and put this in an email to my manager. I asked for clarification with every intention of understanding my shortcoming and really just looking for a resolution with my accuser. My supervisor told me not to worry about it. Why? Well, because my written request for feedback had caused this woman so much distress that she began to, wait for it, cry and whine that no one wants to help her. So to avoid dealing with it, my supervisor pulled me off the project. There was no closure for her or me, but the work still had to be done. Later that week, the culprit took to vacation without completing the task. And who was asked to step up? Yep, me. Just as I was speaking with my supervisor about the situation, in an attempt to display my commitment to teamwork, a client lead walked past our cubicles and asked, What are you over here bitching about now? All you do is bitch, bitch, bitch about things. I stopped mid-conversation with my white male supervisor and asked, Did she just call us bitches? His look of surprise and my disdainful expression validated, one, that it had actually happened, and two, it wasn't okay. He said he would handle it, and he had seen it happen, so I was relieved, and I trusted him. I let it slide for a few weeks, 
waiting on due process to run its course. When I asked if it had been resolved, I was given no follow-up information. Got it. We were sweeping this under the rug. Two incidents of not feeling safe in the workplace. Two times I'd done my part and followed proper protocol. Twice I had been let down. By the policy, sure. But by the people, who were supposed to protect my psychological safety, too. Little did I know that my perceived reputation had followed me from this unsubstantiated gossip, and it had weight. I was taken off projects to avoid anyone being held accountable for my behavior. It was normalized for these people to speak negatively and disrespect employees with no repercussions. These mouths hold the cards for projects and career ladder movement. I am now stalled in my progression because of it. Not for lack of trying, either. I went into the interview process for a leadership role, unsuspectingly, and one of my panel members brought up the year-old stories to serve as proof for their final judgment of, I would not be a good fit for the team. My biggest regret is holding my tongue in those moments and playing for the system that I trusted. This system wasn't built with my safety or innocence in mind. I was so concerned with not seeming like an angry black woman that I didn't show up as I should. And they ended up elevating that stereotype anyways. Now, I'm not responsible for the perceptions that others have of me, and neither is leadership really. But when it ends in rumors that people use to discriminate against me and my work, someone missed the ball. And it wasn't me. When I heard this, it actually took me back to my childhood a little bit. You know, someone around you starts crying, but you're not entirely sure what you did. You always end up in trouble somehow, though. So I'm grown and that's still happening, right? But in a more disappointing way. I am now cognizant. I am now aware and responsible with the choices that I make. Yet when people have their own preconceived notions or hangups and they get fussy, I get in trouble. And even if I know that I did the right thing, because I posture myself as somebody who is like confident and intelligent and people perceive me because of my race and the fact that I'm a woman as somebody who is aggressive or sassy or spicy or whatever, my opinion uh, like immediately becomes ignored because I'm almost seen as the more dominant character or personality in that situation. So nobody listens to me or hears me or believes that I could be a victim because I'm so, so good at standing up for myself. Right. And I just feel like a kid all over again, like their crocodile tears or their frustrated barks end up holding more weight than my truth just because I showed up. Correct. I remember hearing the story from this person and I was just so shocked and appalled by some of the things that they told us. Yeah. I just, I mean, even though we shouldn't be surprised, but it really just drove home that we really aren't safe in these spaces, we really lack safety. 
no matter how much people tell us that you can come to me if this happens to you. I'm here as your leader. I got your back. How much those things really are not worth their weight if we don't know that you're actually going to do it. Like if I haven't seen you act in a certain way or see something, say something, Mm -hmm. then I'm not necessarily going to believe what it is that you're telling me. And I think if we consider just history and what we've learned about black and brown people in society and how when there are people crying, especially people who are not people of color, when there are tears involved, all hell is about to break loose. No matter what actually happened, no matter if you didn't do anything and it was just their perception of you, all hell is about to break loose and there will be smoke in the city. So it's just really scary, I think, for Black and brown people in the workplace, if you are experiencing something negative, or if you do, as you mentioned, stand up for yourself, if you are assertive, you're called spicy, and people automatically believe, oh, Krista must have been the aggressor, because she's just so spicy. Yeah. And I... I think that I I love that this narrative ends with her feeling empowered and recognizing that it wasn't her fault, but you're kind of alluding to it. What comes before that? That's not how it happens. I don't, I don't think anybody just walks away from a situation where they've been accused of something and been like, "Mm, I didn't drop the ball. Something's wrong with you. Looks like I need to go work somewhere else until they've had a certain number of experiences. And unfortunately, Uh, the probability is high for that happening to us. So what does it take for us to get to the point where we feel empowered and we can recognize without like a clouded or doubtful lens, this wasn't you, friend. You didn't do this. Yeah, we don't automatically get to that point. I'm going to tell you what happens automatically. Automatically, you jump into your head because you're like, Mm -hmm. what is Karen about to do? What is she going to say that I did? Oh, shoot. She's crying. And then you're playing the situation back in your head, trying to make sure, did I do this? Did I not do it? Like, what really happened? How could she have perceived it this way? I feel like the best way to, to work through these types of situations just really has to do with, one, self reflecting. So thinking back to what actually happened in the situation, what is, what are the objective parts and what are the parts that are just more so about feelings? And hopefully you have someone in your workplace or out who you're able to share that objective information with who can kind of talk you through it. The hope is that there is someone in your workplace who, who is an ally to you that you can have a conversation with who can advocate for you But if you don't have that, think outside of the four walls in your workplace and consider who else you could have a conversation with. And again, lay it all out on the line in an objective way. Try to keep the feelings out of it because that's really going to help that person um, to help you understand how do I navigate this situation? What actually happened? What could I have done differently? What could this person have done differently? 
And if you truly didn't do anything wrong at all, it'll come out in that conversation. And hopefully your friend or your ally will hook you up with the information you need to navigate through. Yeah. And I'll say even before that, I love that you make the delineation between feelings and then logic because they can't happen at the same time almost every time. So I think when people walk away from a situation like this, first, they're pissed. Like I'm remembering these situations and I'm getting angry and I'm also getting anxious, like nervous, just putting myself in that headspace. For that reason, you walk away from these things. I think I'll say that before you do exactly what you said, which I think is right, also give yourself time and space to be in your feelings. Put like a time limit on it though. I think that you need to process and you need to feel everything organically in that moment. Step away however you need to step away. Leave the space. Go in the bathroom. Do whatever you have to do. I remember so many times when I worked at my first job out of grad school, I would cry in the bathroom all the time. And I had like a process. Every time I went and I cried in the bathroom, I knew I had to like put eye drops in my eyes and like pinch my cheeks a little bit and like smile a few times in the mirror before I went out. Not to say that that's what people should be doing on a regular basis, but give yourself the space to be emotional. Don't go into a next meeting. Don't try to pretend like everything's okay because that's just going to bottle up something inside of you that makes you even angrier and even more resentful. And then do what Crystal said. Start to list out the logic of it. Now that you've had your time to feel what really happened and how can you position it in a way towards your ally? Yeah, for sure. And as always, as I always say, why can't it just be easy? I wish, <laughs> I wish, I wish. I Why really, can't you really just do. show up, you know, as I don't your know. authentic self as companies are telling us to do? Exactly. And why, you know what, I'll always say this because um, the narrative, the character in this narrative has lots of poise, right? Um, I, I don't know if that's how it happened in the situation, but the way that she recounts it has lots of grace and not everybody is in that place, especially if you're being accused for the first time or maybe for like the fifth time. It can get really, really frustrating to be in that space. And unfortunately, we're not, corporate America isn't ready for us just to be our authentic selves in the way that we even react to being falsely accused, right? Stop, Hmm? Stop saying it. Saying what? Be authentic. Oh, I'm ready. Oh, you know, I, I think that they do want it, but the mask is professionalism. The mask is professionalism. So like, we want you to be authentic, but make sure you're being professional. And then professional gets to be whatever they want it to be, whatever arbitrary bias definition they have. Yeah. Because I can be authentic, but if I start crying because something made me upset, it's, ooh, no, 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 no. Feelings aren't professional. We want you to be authentic to this point. Well, it depends on who's crying. This is um, something that someone said to me recently that actually surprised me is about crying. 
So in this story and in so many other stories, if a white woman cries, again, smoke in the city. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize is that when these women are crying, even though it's bad for us, it's also bad for them in the long yeah, run. So is. someone was telling me a story about a woman who's always crying at work and how the leaders or the senior leaders, her colleagues and peers, they're always laughing at her mm. behind her back. And I think there's all also been times where they've said to her to not cry or, you no. know, you're going to cry. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> that sounds brutal. So not saying that any of it is right. None of it is right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very interesting to me to hear that even when they're crying, that does affect them in a negative way. Of course it does. And that's across the board for women. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you cry in a space, I, I, I'll never understand why that carries more of negative connotation than a man like getting up and throwing a tantrum, which so often happens, right? Like a, a man can like throw a tantrum and be upset and uh, shout out slurs and whatever else he wants and leave the room in a fuss but if a woman is like frustrated and just cries like silent tears and ends up being a, a big deal and s- being seen as like a weakness or unprofessional and then she has to defend herself and it just really sucks. So, yeah. Yeah. You just made me think about something. This one time at band camp. So (laughs) when I was in high school, we had a band director and everyone was always like, oh my God, he's so mean. Like, he's just always so stoic. You don't know what he's thinking. And one day, I don't know, I was in marching band and someone played the wrong key or something. And he just started throwing chairs, like throwing all the... um, uh, what do you call it? The things that hold the music. Music's he just started tense. like pushing things over. He was having a tantrum. And until mm-hmm. you just mentioned it right now, I hadn't thought about the fact that it was just normal. Like it was right. just normalized. It was like, oh, oh, it's fine. It's the band director. He's that's just him. That's just how it is. But I can imagine that if it was a woman who was doing something like that, that it wouldn't have been normalized. It would have been a problem. It would have been a big problem. And it would have been attributed to like her emotions or her hormones or whatever. And it's not to say that hormones don't play a role, but I hate it when people need to use it as an excuse for the way that they react. If you are sad and you are frustrated and you cry in a situation, do not ever feel embarrassed. That is how your body is responding to what your mind is feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And nobody in their life should ever have to fight or combat that just to appease the person in front of them ever. I don't care if they're, I don't care how they identify. So I'm really excited to invite several guests this month to talk about their experiences and their understanding of psychological safety and how they've navigated workplaces that offered them the level of psychological safety that they needed and places that didn't. 
what we'll also be doing this month that I'm really excited about is that we'll be having some virtual discussions with our We Are Meaningful community. If you're interested in joining the community and any of our upcoming events, hit us up. Hit us up. Hit us up. Slide in the DMs, please. Kidding. <laughs> thirsty, thirsty for DMs, please. <laughs> thirsty for professional DMs. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. Follow us on Instagram at wearemeaningful.co and visit our website to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. We're excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Talk to you next week.